I saw that, Joe. Uh, hey, I'm trying a new table today, kind of a new area. I don't like change, so work with me here. It's going to be good, though. Hey, I'm starting a new series uh, called My House Will Be. Before we dive into that, uh, quick announcements. One is we do have our youth retreat. Uh, Amber's leading the way with that. It's going to be so fun. I know that uh, Julie and Danny and Fernando and Perla are coming with uh, their uh, food-making skills to make some incredible meals for the kids. We've got trailers from the stay-in. It's going to be incredible. So this is for fifth through ninth grade. Please uh, make sure that you get your registration in and let Amber know that you're coming so that way we can make preparations for you. That is in one month. It's going to be awesome. And then really the last announcement is simply uh, life groups. Again, we're rolling on those. We've got three. If you're not connected or want to be, please let us know. Uh, we'd love to have you on Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, uh, and grab a book in the back. Uh, Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 12 and uh, we're going to dive into this new series that really finds its place right here in this passage. God gave me this series just because this, this one phrase just popped off the page. And so we're going to read it. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and benches of those selling doves. He said to them, my house will be. Turn to your neighbor and say, my house will be call the house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the, the evidence of your presence already in this place, the way that you're speaking to us. God, you're rewiring us on the inside. You're transforming us. You're giving us a new heart, Jesus. It's a heart after you, Lord, made in your image. And so now as we take a look at your word and dive into the message that you have for us. I pray that you would open up our eyes, that we would hear from you. Spirit, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, I want to explain the passage that we read just a little bit, and I don't know necessarily that it's going to enhance the sermon at all. I just think it's cool, so I'm going to show it to you. So these pictures are kind of what I took in Israel, and if you're coming with us, then you're going to be right here in this location. But i just like to see some context for what we read. And so what we just read was Jesus going into the temple, throwing over the tables. Now, Jesus went to Jerusalem multiple times a year for the big festivals, and he, he lived in Galilee, he commuted um, about six days to Jerusalem, and this was one of the days that he commuted to Jerusalem for a festival, and he came, but this was a special day because this was the final trip to Jerusalem, and so we see Jesus coming in, and what took place right before he turned over the tables in, in Jerusalem was he was on a donkey on Palm Sunday, and Palm Sunday's coming up pretty soon, and so he's on the Mount of Olives, so where we're standing right now is the Mount of Olives. And he was going, obviously it looked slightly different than this, um, and people weren't wearing such colorful outfits back then. But nevertheless, Jesus was on his way down Mount of Olives, uh, Palm Sunday, and they were celebrating him going into Jerusalem because they believed Jesus was getting ready to come take over. They had a, a very a different idea of who Jesus was and what his intentions were. They believed, and even the disciples, even though Jesus spelled it out for them like, write 10, 15 times, I'm going to die, and they just didn't hear it. Anybody ever tell you something, and it's just, right? Your kids talk to you, and you're like, Mom, Dad, hello, right? And you're like, woo, 
I didn't hear you. Um, and that's, that's the disciples. Jesus was like, I'm going to die. And they thought, you're going to take over. You're going to free us from Rome, from this horrible oppression. And so as he's going in, that's why everyone was celebrating. Jesus, the king, has finally come to Jerusalem to take over. So he's going down. The next uh, slide is the uh, gate beautiful. And that is the gate that Jesus went into the temple uh, it was a special gate. It's reserved for royalty. And so again, further, uh, furthering the idea in everyone's mind, Jesus is truly coming to take over because he went through gate beautiful. Like everyone else went through the sheep gate or other gates, but this was gate beautiful. Now, the picture here is, is, was two years ago. That's what it actually looks like. And they walled it off so it's not a gate anymore because um, they figured if Jesus is going to come back, if his prophecy is true, we don't want him to be able to get in because if he gets in, he's going to take over. So if we wall it off, maybe he can't get in. <laughs> How funny is that? Um, Jesus can walk through walls. Okay. So anyways, and then the next picture is uh, a mock-up. This is in the, um, the uh, museum, incredible museum in Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, this is kind of like a giant sandcastle. It's like, you know, about as big as a football field this whole area, and it's the, the picture of what the temple used to look like. But that wall that you see, the real one's still standing, and that gate is the gate beautiful that we just saw at the very bottom where those little stairs are. And uh, he, Jesus would have gone into this courtyard, and then you see the Holy of Holies and then the courtyard. And that's where Jesus was throwing over these tables and just saying, like, no, right? And he had a crack in a whip and driving people out, right, because he was so mad at what was going on because he was making a declaration. My house will be. So um, I'm a big believer in, in our God-given authority to shift the atmosphere. So this, this message in this sermon is not about prayer, although that's the context of what Jesus was saying. Is My house is going to be a house of prayer. But the point of Jesus coming and turning over the tables is that the environment of the temple was not the environment of heaven. It's not what his father intended. And so Jesus was bringing heaven to earth. Um, and sometimes you got to get angry, a righteous indignation to say, no, this is not the way things should be in my home. This is not the way things should be in my life. And I'm going to take the authority that God's given me to shift the atmosphere. Um, I Unfortunately, I think we give away that power far too often. And I think that we live in an environment that's, that's less than God would have for us because we just kind of accept what is. Right? Whatever environment is created by our kids or our spouse or the neighbors or whatever it is that's in our home, whatever environment's created at work, and you just kind of like hunker down in your little cubicle. I know a lot of people um, work at home online now, so <laughs> bear with me. But if you do go to work, right, even the environment of Zoom and, and just how your colleagues interact, just the environments that we find ourselves in, our friend, uh, you know, uh, connections, those places, our emotions, the environment of our own soul. And a lot of times we just accept what is. And I believe that Jesus has given us the same mandate, the same authority, the same responsibility to do what he did. He walked into the temple and he's like, no, this is not what we're doing here. We're going to be changing the environment. So I wrote this, my house will be, is kind of, this is kind of like our, 
our mission statement for the series. It's about understanding the authority we have to shift the atmosphere where we are, and in doing so, establish God's kingdom here. You are powerful. And, uh, and, and I, I learned this at a young age, and I know I've told this story before, but I actually preached this message last night at um, my buddy's church, uh, Journey Church. Um, Mike Brown comes here occasionally and preaches, and so he texts me, and he's like, it's your turn. <laughs> I'm out of town. Preach for me. So I went, and I told this story because it was actually at the church where this story took place, which is Emmanuel Faith. Their church meets at Emmanuel Faith on Saturday night. Anyways, when, um, when, we were, when I was little, we went to Emmanuel Faith a few times, and then we also went to an, another church, Cathedral of the Valley, which is now called Escondido Church. Um, but um, when I was really little, we spent a few years going to these two churches trying to figure out where we were going to go after our church kind of imploded in Poway. And I remember being really little and, uh, and just not excited about church at all. And the reason why I wasn't excited is because I was convinced that at some point I was going to get dropped off in the kids' space and then left there. And my parents were not coming back. They were leaving me there. And I don't know if it's because my middle name is Samuel, and that's what happened to Samuel in the Bible, is that he got dropped off at the temple, and then his parents never came back. I don't know what the deal was, but for me, subconsciously, I just had it in my mind that the day was going to come where, you know, little Shaners was going to get dropped off in the classroom, parents were going to wave, and then, and then leave. Anybody else have that, those kind of fears? Maybe have a child with those kind of fears? Okay, I'm the only one. Anyway, uh, Ed still has those fears. So um, the day came when I was convinced this is it. This is the day when, when I'm going to get dropped off, and that's it. So I begged my parents, like, please let me stay in the sanctuary. I'll be good. I will color the whole time and not say a word during the sermon. Right? I was like, what, six years old or something like that. Um, and uh, I, I will, I'll do anything you want me to do. Just keep me in the sanctuary with you guys. And they're like, no, we're going to help you overcome your fears. They're being great parents. And they're like, we're going to bring you to your class. So I, I remember like it was yesterday. And I don't know if I remember correctly. My parents were probably like, you're getting the story wrong. But in my mind, this is how it went. We walked down this pathway, go to the classroom, right? Greet the children's workers. Let me in the door. And I'm like, no, hanging on to the, you know, to the arm. Like, no, I want to stay with you. And they're like, no, you're going to go. It's going to be great. Anybody ever done that with your child? You're just like, I'm going to help you grow up here. You're going. And so then they're like, you know, and then make the exit. And they close the door, and I look around, and I'm like, this is it. This is where I'm going to grow up, in this room, with these adults and these little kids, and it stinks in here already because of the diapers. This is horrible. So I run to the window, start pounding on the window, and what came out of my mouth was, they're not coming back. <laughs> pounding on the window, they're not coming back, Right? And so there was other little kids in the room. And so they started looking at their friends and they're like, our parents aren't coming back either. <laughs> so then they start all yelling, our parents are not coming back. Right? And I just started this beautiful revolution. It was amazing. They had to bring all the parents back. We have the ability to change and shift the atmosphere where we are. And sometimes it's for the bad because we put up a stink, but, but I believe that God has called us to do like what Jesus did. Jesus came into the temple and he experienced an atmosphere. How many know there's an atmosphere? In every home you go into, 
Yours included, although you're probably a little numb to it because you're there all the time. But have you ever gone into a, somebody else's home and, and you either have one or two thoughts? You're like, oh, wow, this is great. Like you go over to Eric and Amber's house and they're just like the most creative people, the outside courtyard. They have all these like really cool. We always walk away from their house like, man, we're so not creative. We're going to need to up our game. But it's just like this awesome feeling. And then you go to some people's houses, which none of yours. Not, I don't have this thought going to any of your houses. But some people's houses, you're like, wow, we've got some work to do, right? It's just like a really strange vibe. You know what I'm talking about. It's the atmosphere. And some of it's, you know, some basic cosmetic things, but some of it is like the atmosphere that we bring as human beings, right? We bring peace and joy or we bring chaos, And Jesus came into the temple, and he was going, this is not the atmosphere of heaven. I remember his prayer. He said, pray like this. My Father who is already in heaven, how will be your name? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says, and then he says, I give you this authority to bring heaven to earth. That's meaning bringing his kingdom values and his way and his presence and his abiding peace and his joy, like the the way of heaven to earth. And so Jesus went into the temple and he's like, no, this is not working because they were selling animals for sacrifices that, that just were taking advantage of people. They were taking away this beautiful connection that it was meant to be, a place of connecting with God, of prayer. And instead of that, they made it about making money. And Jesus is like, no. And how many know sometimes we got to get angry? Sometimes we got to get frustrated, not at people, but at about an environment that doesn't represent the kingdom of God. And so we're going to spend a couple of weeks talking about creating an atmosphere that represents heaven. You with me? Incredible power follows you everywhere. So what is the atmosphere of your life? There's a little saying that I like. Wherever you go, there you are. I know. You guys are like writing down these little nuggets like that was beautiful. Wherever you go, there you are. And that's relevant because a lot of people think that, hey, maybe I need, maybe what's wrong is I need to get a new job. Maybe what's wrong is I need to find a new church. Maybe I need to move out of the state and go to Texas. Hello, because Texas is going to solve my problems. Now, listen, if you're thinking about going to Texas, it's cool. I get it. So that's, that, that's for somebody. I lived in Texas for a long time, and it's a great place. But, but wherever you go, you're still going to be there. So, so the point is that maybe sometimes, and again, this is not a copy and paste on every situation, but maybe sometimes what we're frustrated with and what we're discontent about isn't Jesus is like, I need to go find a different temple because this one's not working for me. No. I'm going to change the atmosphere because, because I can bring heaven here. I can't change people. I'm not here to control people. But I can bring a different environment and a different atmosphere. And it may take some time, but I believe that that's my God-given call and right, starting with me as a temple of the Holy Spirit, moving into my family and my immediate home and then my workplace and my friends. Like, I am here to change the atmosphere. 
Or we can just keep bouncing around to find the perfect environment that's elusive and we'll never find it. Come on, you guys are like, this is going to be a good series. What's up? The disciples, they had this same problem because when, when Jesus was coming down, I told you they had this idea that Jesus is going to come over and he's going to take over. And in fact, the chapter before we read this, the chapter before, the disciples, they were so convinced of this as, as they were on their way to Jerusalem that they pulled Jesus aside. Remember this? They pulled Jesus aside and they're like, Jesus. It was like James and John and everyone else was frustrated because they did this because they pulled him aside and they're like, Jesus, when you go take the, the throne and when you take over, do you think maybe we could like sit on your right and left and kind of be your, like your number one, two guy? It was like the first, the first time ever, like the like spiritual shotgun was called. Like shotgun, front seat, right? Like I want, I want to be with you and, 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 and rule with you. This was their idea. And their idea was this because they couldn't understand a world that was better unless that happened. Like, Jesus, I need you to come and change my circumstances so that I can thrive. And that's how we see the world. And Jesus was like, I have a different idea about it. I, I'm not going to come in and, and dethrone Rome and, 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 and get rid of all of your problems and create this bliss so that you can thrive. I'm going to pay the ultimate sacrifice, defeat hell, and then I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and the power and authority so that you can, and you can, and you can go into your environments and change things like I did. Jesus is like, listen, I'm not living defeated. I'm here like you are. Rome's still in charge. Render unto Caesar. But listen, I'm walking with a sense of confidence and power and authority. And I'm telling you, you can do that too. My house will be fill in the blank. It starts with asking the question, what is it now? Which, you know can be a fun journey and it can be a brutal one, right? Like looking in the mirror. What is it now? Starting with you. What's the atmosphere of my heart, of my soul? Like what is, what is my house today? And, and, then, and then what does it look like in the environments that I, that I go in? What, 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 what is that? Jesus has given us authority to bring heaven to earth everywhere. My house will be. So I'm going to talk about three things to just get this series started. And the first idea is this. Kingdom atmosphere is like good soil. It creates an environment for the kingdom of God to grow. See, we don't change anybody. And I think that most of us have been married long enough to understand that we're super powerless <laughs> to change anybody, right? Our kids, powerless, right? But, but, but that, is, that doesn't mean that, that we don't have authority to do certain things. Those just don't include changing people. What we can do is walk into a space and create an environment that's like good soil so that our relationships so that our kids, so that our soul can thrive in good soil. Jesus, he does the work. He brings his presence and he does the heavy lifting. It's his power, not ours. It's his work, not our good deeds. But we 
Our responsibility is that we come into a place and we go, you know what? I don't care what the soil is today. I'm good at creating good soil. And it may take some time, but I'm not living in that. And I'm not going to pretend that Texas is better. I'm going to come and I'm going to start tilling up this soil. I'm going to create a good environment so that at the very least, my soul is going to thrive. Listen, somebody told me once, if your Christianity doesn't work in a third world country, then you got the wrong deal. And what I mean by that is, listen, wherever we go, if we can't thrive, if we can't thrive in our soul, then we've bought into something that's like this westernized version of Christianity that's not real. We should be able to go wherever you plant me. I'm going to thrive. And I'm not going to try to change everybody. And maybe this organization won't be way better. And maybe, and maybe my spouse or my kids, right, they make their own choices. But what I can tell you is that I have the power and authority to create the best soil so that the Spirit of God can do incredible things in my relationships, in my kids, in my work, in my office space. Like, it's going to be better because I'm there. Hmm. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. First of all, this is just an amazing chapter. If you haven't read Ephesians 1, you'll spend all week there because it's so good. But it talks about the, 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 the incredible inheritance that we have as believers. And Paul's praying that we would have wisdom and revelation to understand this. And it kind of culminates with this. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. All authority. We're talking about authority and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. So watch what's just happened. Paul says the authority is Christ's, and it's given to the church. So it's his authority, but we have it. And the church is his body, that's us. It's made full and complete by Christ. I love this. Who fills all things everywhere with himself. So you not only have the authority, because we're the church, not just, not just when we're together, although this is beautiful, but wherever you go, you're a part of the church, which means you're a part of his body as if he was here today. He's not here, you're here. So he's decided to use you as his hands and feet. And so when you go, he goes, and he's filling everything everywhere because you're there. And I know that we don't think of ourselves like that. Like, where I go is like I'm bringing God's presence as if he was here. Like, I get that. I understand how we see ourselves. But that is the reality. That's the kingdom reality. And that's the power that you have to go in an environment and to shift things because you're there. That's pretty awesome. Let me speak to men for a second. All right. Men, we have a, a unique and important responsibility regarding the, our home. Now, just because Heather's not sitting on the front row doesn't mean I forgot who's in charge. <laughs> no. Julie's like, preach. I get it. Our wives are smarter than us. They arrive to conclusions quicker. Like, I'm still thinking, and Heather's already like, I've got it figured out. Just relax, you know. She, our wives are in charge. But it doesn't mean that we're not responsible and accountable for the atmosphere and environment of our home. Period. 
And so I just want to encourage you. I, and, I, and, and this is one of those messages that's sort of like a double-edged sword, and it's just been lighting me up in a good way. But um, sometimes for me, like I'll take a step back and, and, and um, be a little bit too passive in, in my responsibility to create atmosphere in my home because I'm like, Heather's, she's, she's in charge. Um, and, and, and we have a beautiful relationship in that way um, where we lead together. But I can tell you that, that our, our home functions the best when, when I step up and I recognize my God-given authority that, that, that the atmosphere of my home is on me. That doesn't mean I have any power over Heather or my kids, but I get to create the soil. Now, they contribute to that positively or negatively, but I create the soil in my home. It's my responsibility. And man, I just want to, I want to call you to that. We can empower our wives to lead and be powerful and do their things, but, but it, it is really our role to create that. And listen, listen, if you're a single gal, praise the Lord, you're you're the king of your castle. Do that and, and, and don't settle for a man that's, that doesn't understand kingdom authority. Okay. Um, the next idea is this. Kingdom atmosphere produces fruit. Kingdom atmosphere produces fruit. I love this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. Fruit is the overflow of our life yielded to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, our partnership in yielding with him. Listen, the Holy, we can't do this without the Holy Spirit. We have to partner with him to create an environment wherever we go. And that atmosphere produces fruit. So what is the soil that, that you want to have in your home. Well, Paul lays it out there. It's, it's an environment of love. My house will be an environment of love, of joy. I choose joy. My house will be a place of patience, of peace, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness. These are the evidences of the Spirit of God in every place that we go. And this kind of soil, it produces fruit. It changes things, but we have to trust that it does. And I, I recognized early on in Heather's and Heather and I's marriage um, where, where I wasn't trusting that, that it works. And how many of you know that when we don't trust that something works, then immediately we take control? We all do that, especially us guys. Um, when we don't trust a process, we're like, no, I'm taking this back. I'm taking the control back of this because this is not working. And for Heather and I, we used to, to, to argue quite a bit. Now, we're not perfect and we argue still, but not nearly as much. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like passion arguing. It was like bickering. Like we just kept sort of clashing. And the reason why we were clashing is because we're so different. I, um, uh, well, I won't even lay it out for you because you probably already know, but Heather and I are just different on every level. And I used to get so frustrated, not because I was right. I mean, at the, at the time, I, I thought I was right. But, but just because it was just like, man, we're not, you know, we do a project together, and she just does it different, and we want to go somewhere. And I'm like, I want to be on time. And she's like, I want to be, I don't care when I get there, you know. And so we're just like different how we approach things. And, 
And I used to get so frustrated. And what the byproduct of that is that I was, I, I was harsh. I was, much, I was much less patient. I was very impatient. And, and the atmosphere of our home reflected it. And I remember the Lord speaking to me, and he said, Shane, you've bought into a lie that patience doesn't work. And so because of that, you're choosing the opposite. Control works. That's what works. Me getting things done and making things happen. That's what works. I see results with that, right? We're getting somewhere on time. The house is more picked up. Whatever it might be that my expectation is, that is happening, so results, right? But in the middle of the, the wake of that is the atmosphere of our home is not winning. And, and I've created that. And I remember just like repenting to the Lord and, and, and God was just like, you need to trust the fruit. Patience works. Love works. It works. And it's not going to yield immediate results. But it's the, it's the soil that the Spirit of God works through. And so I started, I started allowing patience to start. And you know what took place? You know what happened? I, I was giving in for, to patience, thinking, all right, I'll be patient and wait. I'll patiently wait for Heather to change. <laughs> I'll patiently wait for my kids to change. And you know what happened? You know what happened. I changed. I suddenly realized, oh my gosh, if I had my way and I made Heather like me, it would be horrible. We don't need another Shane. Gracious. We need Heather. I don't need to impose my will on Heather. I need to have patience to, to be able to get past my own expectations to see her. She's amazing. Patience, it works. Love, it works. Kingdom atmosphere produces fruit. Lastly, we're going to land on this. Kingdom atmosphere attracts thirsty people. It attracts thirsty people. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 14. This is at the tail end of what we read. Jesus went into the temple. He turned over the tables, righteous indignation. This is not the atmosphere of my father's kingdom. And then, and then this sentence came about. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. It seems like such a random, like, and then this happened. And it's almost like it should have been the paragraph down or like the next chapter, but it's not. It's like right there, in the same sentence of like, here's Jesus, and he's like, he's mad. He's throwing tables over, and people are like, what? Right, Pharisees, religious people are like so mad. He's in the temple, and he is like throwing stuff around, driving people out. And you would think that everyone would be like distancing themselves from Jesus. Like, yeah, this is, he's having a bad moment. He's mad, right? You ever, you ever walk in, like, right, when, when you need some money and dad's doing the bills? It's like, this is a bad time, right? Don't ask for money when dad's doing the bills, right? So this was one of those moments with Jesus. But instead, the opposite happened. Then the blind and the lame, they came to him in the temple. It's beautiful because when we create kingdom atmosphere, Thirsty people, they're attracted. 
And they're like, wow, this, this is amazing. Whatever it is that you're doing here, and they start to take notice, and, and they come to you, and they go, what's different? And you're like, well, I go to this church, and I go to a Bible study, and, I, and they're like, no, no, that's not it. I mean, those are good things, I'm sure. But there's something about the atmosphere of your life. It's got a sweet fragrance to it. Paul said this, that we have the ministry of reconciliation and we are, we are the fragrance of God in every place. That people that are thirsty, they sense it, they feel it. When you create an environment and an atmosphere that, that reflects the kingdom of God, then thirsty people come out of the woodwork and they start asking questions. Now, everyone doesn't like it. And that's the same thing with Jesus. Religious people hate this stuff. But people that need God, it attracts them. We're surrounded by thirsty people all the time. People that desperately need life in Jesus. And you are his presence every place you go. I want to end with this scripture because I absolutely love it. John chapter 14, Job chapter 14 verse 7 says, For there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, then it will sprout again. Though its roots may grow old in the earth and its stump may die in the ground, yet at the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. I don't know if you've ever been there. I know I have been there in those places where you're like, the stump's cut down. There is not a lot of hope for my situation. What I love about this scripture is it's saying, it's a metaphor and it's saying people that are completely cut down. They feel like there's no hope for anything to grow again. But then it says, at the scent of water. What a privilege. Listen, you don't don't change anybody. You just get to be the fragrance of Christ so that people that are hungry and thirsty, I mean, that's my prayer for my kids. I can't change them. I can create healthy boundaries. And, but I get to create the soil. I get to create the atmosphere in my home so that they can smell it and taste it. Like, wow, there's something there that's life-giving. There's something that's worth giving my life for. There's something there of the, of the, of the kingdom of heaven in this atmosphere. And I can sense it and I can feel it. And I'm telling you, the people all over, we were created to sense this and to feel it and to smell it. We were created for that. And you and I, starting with me, God, start with me. In my soul, in my heart, I choose the kingdom of heaven. I choose joy. I choose peace. I choose to walk in in your presence, God, with your spirit empowered by resurrection power. And then every place I go, I get to create an environment where people just get to take notice. Like, wow, there is hope for me. There is life for me. And I want to have a conversation with you. I want to look in in your eyes because there's something different about you. And it's the atmosphere you create. And it may take them like a little bit. Like, what is it? I don't know. Oh, it's the atmosphere you create. So today, as we leave this place, wherever we get, wherever our life takes us, I'll tell you what's going to follow me. The atmosphere of heaven.
not because I'm godly, but because I have the privilege, the power, the authority. I don't have to be stuck. I don't have to live defeated. I get to move and go, you know what? That's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be an atmosphere of love. And when I miss the mark, God, forgive me, Holy Spirit, take over. I choose patience because patience works. I've seen it. Love works. Long-suffering, it works. Apply that to every environment and situation, and I promise you, the Spirit of God will use it like good soil to produce incredible fruit. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for my house will be. The declaration of our church, of our lives, to invite your kingdom, God, heaven, here. That we would be ambassadors carrying this mandate to every place we go. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen.